Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. So today we have a very special treat. This is the first time I've ever interviewed somebody for the podcast. And uh, we have Todd Shelton today. And Todd has always been an impressive uh, personality to me. Uh, I met him a number of years ago in a, in a Georgia Tech class. And he stood out to me on that, that first day. At, I remember him sending me the process map of uh, people's choices and uh, we, we've had a lot of interaction since then. So, Todd, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and let them know who you are, where you live at, and, and uh, who you work for and what you do. All right. Well, it's been a heck of a journey just always getting to know you. And it's been, gosh, I actually did meet you back in, it was eight human or introduction to human performance, or maybe it was considered HP one at the time. Mike taught the majority of the class, but then I know the last couple of days you were in and out. And, and then I took the OSHA 500 in Savannah that day or that week. And we got to, we got to meet, I guess, more, more formally. And I was, I, w- I had this leadership book that I was working on reading in my company, and it was called Change Your Questions and Change Your Life. And it, and it really comes down to when you add, you have to get into, before you even ask somebody a question, how you get to, to the answer, right, and how you can work through others to get the answer to the question and learning about your biases or even Sometimes you work up things in your mind that necessarily aren't really there because you pick up on somebody else's behavior or tone. And then as far as just my background, I'm a a regional environmental health health and safety leader. I reside out of the greater St. Louis area. I've been with Train Technologies now for almost five years. And it's been a it's been a heck of a ride, a lot of ups and downs, and I wouldn't say a lot of downs because I guess you would say my my bottom isn't always very low though. Well, uh, Todd, you know when we have conversations a lot, uh, I notice us using the terminology servant leadership, and and can you explain to me what that means to you? and uh, what that term means and maybe give kind of an example of what that looks like displaying servant leadership as far as safety management goes. Yeah, absolutely, Philip. For me, servant leadership has always been about how do I put the people that I'm working for or with or I serve in the right position to be successful. And it's really about knowing the strengths of the team around me and even the individuals, whether that's out in the field, doing, doing the work on behalf for our customers and and, and pulling through for them in their greatest time of need. But it's really just understanding everybody's mindset and skill set, and then leveraging how you're going to go do safety or environmental or health, any of that, right? 
to the strengths of your team and everybody around you and even adapting. That's the other thing because you've got so many different personalities in your workforce. You've got so many different layers of whether that be leadership or, or management or even just frontline employees. It's a lot to navigate and adapt. And, and that's the biggest thing is just being flexible and listening to those around you. And, and obviously too, it's that mindset you talked about, that 360 degree leader that, that's really looking at, can they see everything full circle? Do they have the ability to really perceive and understand the challenges of the team around them? Do they think about safety? Absolutely, but they probably got seven or eight other things competing for their heart or their mind that day. That's right. You know, um, I've been uh, struggling with wanting to introduce this topic to people that that safety is not first. It's not the first priority of a company and that no organization is willing to implement safety measures to the point that they will go out of business, that we still have to make a profit and that uh, a lot of times we go around saying safety is the top priority, but really keeping the doors open is number one. It's a difficult balance. I've also learned though that What's a value versus a priority in your organization? And you always look at your core values and how do you really fit safety into that? Like in our company, it's respect, integrity, teamwork, innovation, and courage. It used to be, hey, it's a priority. It's our greatest priority. And over time, people have realized, and I would say in the height of COVID-19 especially, Hey, it's one of our values now because it's about our people and you get into the, which I'll talk about later, but the associate, the customer and the business and safety is part of all three of those things. I like that terminology of safety being a value more than a priority because, you know, priorities are, are placed at different slots on a scale where a value is something that it exists regardless of other values, right? Yeah, and we just, even when we bring somebody on, and there was a gentleman in that class that, that you were the instructor in, and, and I was in there with you, and he said something that stuck out to me in that class, because he said when he always does his new hire orientation, he said, he asked him, well, what's your position? And they say, whatever it is, like the uh, ribbon cutter driver or whatever that might be, and he said, well, no, you're going to be the best professional at what you're setting out to do. And I actually use that in my orientation after I heard that because people will say, oh, I'm just a technician. And I say, well, wait a minute. You're not just a technician. You're the face of the company. When you, when you pull up, who does the customer think of when they hear the word train? They think of you. You're the face of the company. You've got your uniform on. They see your vehicle pulling up, which is the billboard. And just even checking in with them and, and letting them know and your shirt's tucked in, right? Your FR uniform for a lot of other reasons is on, even the safety reasons with your art flash and all that type of stuff. But it's really about the professional appearance and you can be the best professional you want to be. We have a lot of folks that are committed to development and they go back to school and they get into sales or they get into they become an area service manager when they were a technician. 
and it's a career. It's not just a dead-end job, at least where we're at, right? We have no interest in mediocrity, and there's always that. It's almost like that Jack Welsh rule with, when he talks about leadership where you've got your 20, you've got your, your 60, and then you've got your other 10 to 20% of the organization that's those C and D players, and the C and D players just don't last long. It's, it's been a night and day difference because when I was in construction, we would just kind of, at least where I was at always, we would almost just kind of accept people that didn't really meet the minimum ex- expectations because we didn't raise the bar very high. And then I came here and it was a night and day, I guess you would say it was just a lot of, it was a lot different going from a construction environment to more of a professional commercial environment. That's right. You know, Todd, you said something too about how sometimes we accept a certain kind of behavior because we do set the bar low. I've talked with you before about that concept of social proof where when when people are unsure of the correct behavior, they look around to what everyone else is doing. And when we set the bar low, that's what we're really setting, right, is what the acceptable behavior is to a certain point. What do you think? Yeah, and I had a boss that, that cared enough about me coming up, and this was even before I worked in trade, but he was probably the first person that, that I had the opportunity to cross paths with, at least in my professional development and my career, that, that really cared enough to not allow me to settle. Even like when I would make small or minuscule mistakes, he felt like he, he wasn't hard on me, but he was about the coaching. And he just didn't, even if it was something small, he would, he would come to me and say, hey, I know you're better than that. I don't, I don't want to see you just accept mediocrity in certain regards. And he just pushed and pushed. He was real big on servant leadership and even I'll even tell you this: when I had my interview to get, to go to that job to get that position, he actually asked me in the interview, "Well, who do you serve?" And I said, "Well, it's the people that right in the in the construction environment. It's our it's our it's our frontline workers and our supervision that that I serve." And I remember once he he asked me, "Well, where does your paycheck come from?" And I said. I, get, I try to give the textbook answer because I'm a young kid. I don't know any better. I said, oh, the CEO or the, the shareholders, I didn't, I didn't really think much of it. And you talk about a guy that came out, no stranger to bluntness, came out of his chair and said, if you can't figure out where your paycheck comes from, I don't need you. I mean, he even told me flat out, it comes from that person working in the hole while the rest of us are up here in this office doing whatever on the computer <laughs> you know, Todd, that's a, a an interesting concept because a lot of times what you hear in industry is that the customer's first, but some organizations believe that their own employees should come first, and by placing their own employees first, it actually gets what you want out of customer service and quality and all those other things just stem from that. Yeah, I agree 100% because when you get the behaviors and the processes or the systems in place, like with what we're doing and those things get aligned right in the background. I believe 
if that's all intact, then you are going to put a good product forward. You're, you're going to put a good project forward in the construction business or like what we're doing, we're going to put, we're going to, we're going to have an overall wonderful customer satisfaction experience and the customer is going to feel valued and, and that we gave them, a, gave them their best effort, obviously too. And just continuing to always look at that and being committed to continuous improvement, even with what we get to do in the safety and health industry, which that's one that's pretty fun to, to answer when somebody has no clue what, what you do for a living and you say, well, I'm in the people business, right? Because that's it. I am in the people business. And that's one that it never changes. And, and you're always going to be dealing with people. Leadership is definitely not something that's taught very well in our school system. And there are people that seem to have a certain moment in their life where they really develop a passion for understanding and embracing and learning more about effective leadership traits. I can tell you're passionate about leadership, but what was that that specific moment where you, you developed that passion and wanted to grow in that area? Well, one of them was I had this class that I was taking. It was a uh, communications class in high school, but they called it teen leadership. And I thought, oh, that'd be interesting. And one of my coaches was teaching it and I kind of thought, okay, well, a coach teaching a class, it'll be easy, right? And it'll be fun. And it, it was fun, but gosh, you talk about rewarding and just so many things that I take away and maybe I carry with me in a great way to this day was this class and I had a coach and his name was Coach Suchman. He, he said a lot of things that tugged on my heart in, in a great way. We'd always start the class off by giving good news or bad news even, but he always said regardless if it's good or bad, we still clap because he challenged us to be able to share the news with with the whole class in a way that you can still project whether that be confidence or strength behind it and somebody had i don't even remember somebody just shared hey my my grandmother passed away and but they but they shared it in a way that hey she's not suffering anymore she lived a great life and I just remember hearing that and the fact that you can clap for that because it's all about how you project your confidence and how you share, even when your back's against the wall and you're facing turmoil, you can still find a way to project peace and strength through even bad news to deliver. And I had no idea even back then, just having that mindset or being able to look at the glass half full or make lemonade out of lemons. I say that quite a bit because sometimes we we do get faced with adversity in our in our career path. That's for sure because we get to deal with injuries or events. Even this COVID nineteen, that's been a, a very tumultuous time for all of us. Just dealing with this in the workplace and not knowing having all the answers even because I'm used to, hey, when somebody wants to talk about all the diff the playbook that we normally deal with 
And then this is like, hey, I might only have the answer. At least I feel good about the answer that I'm going to give somebody 60 to 70% of the time. I'm not in that 90 and upwards, right, with COVID. But then the, there was something else, too, that he shared that, that I'll never forget. He said, it's not your IQ, it's your EQ, your emotional quotient. Todd, why is it that uh, you think that some people, especially in the construction industry, are, are resistant to learning about new effective leadership traits? You know, I would say that the big one that I, I picked up on was, well, hey, I've been more working through fear and dictatorship, or maybe on the outside, right? I don't like to share my feelings from you start to tap in cerebrally right and start to think about feelings and a lot of guys don't aren't touchy-feely in construction or they they really are deep down but they have a lot of they have a lot of blockers put up because that's what they know and, and sometimes right you've got to find ways to get them out of their comfort zone especially and being in a safety role and going straight into construction. And it's gotten a lot better, but I can remember even when I first started, some of the some of the things you would hear. And also you had to have thick skin. That was something else I learned because they don't they feel like they're being challenged at a point too, because this is what they know. They're the experts at leading a crew or I'm the, I'm the expert on how I'm going to put this bridge up or how I'm going to frame or erect this building. How are you to tell me how to do it? Even if it is safety, we may have never gotten anybody hurt, but I know best. You know, Todd, on that concept too, we th- I think about how personal growth is this path we're on, right? We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always learning something new. And then the whole concept of personal growth is that you never arrive to some destination, but there are a lot of people that think that way, that they reach a point where they know it all. Now they're the experts. And what do you think is at the root of that, of that feeling that I know it all, you can't teach me anything, when the true concept of growth is that we're always evolving, especially with like technology and and, and the things we do in safety performance or even how we build a building has changed dramatically over the years. I would just say that they just, for whatever reason, they feel threatened too because the way they've done it has always worked or they, they see at least in their mind that that's, hey, the results are there. I'm making my production goals. I'm, I'm doing this, uh, right? It's all about Am I on time and I'm, am I ahead of schedule? Am I under budget? And if those things, those three variations are there, then why would I change anything? If it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, I've heard that a million times. And, and that was something else that I even noticed in, when I worked in construction, which my, bo- my old boss would do it, but a lot of other department heads within the company they just weren't real big on development and empowering and leadership and growth. So, um, Todd, I remember one time I was posting something about judgment or the limbic brain or something like that, and, and you had made the comment, judger mode versus learner mode. 
and you know we're all hardwired with our limbic brains to make judgments it's it's just part of how our brains are wired for survival what are some ways that you navigate over to that learner mode to move away from the judger mode that we all have inside of us yeah great question and one of the things that i've always i've been guilty of up till a few years ago was i I believe, at least in my mind, right, I already sort of had a preconceived notion of how I was going to respond or what I was going to say. And you need to get into that mode of, hey, how, why does this make sense? It kind of gets into the human performance piece of why did it make sense or, or what are your challenges or could you tell me a little bit more about this? And ask an open-ended question that gives the other person the ability to engage you in a conversation and listen and hear them out, right? Just before you're going down that judger, they say the judger mode, is you've already made up your conclusion, and they may even come in with their defenses up in this conversation, or sometimes I've even learned that hey, there's a safety problem or a concern or something right with action isn't getting done behind the scenes. And so I need to follow up on this because, hey, this is a priority today to get done. But why isn't it getting done? And a lot of the time you think going into, oh, it's, or I used to think this way that, gosh, it's just, it's me, right? I'm not being effective or they're upset at, at me or the, they don't like safety, but guess what? I've learned and I've matured to a point where it has nothing to do with my business or what we're doing. There's something else going on. It could be a personnel issue. It could be a problem, a process related to something outside of safety, but we'll talk about something or I'll just listen for 10, 15 minutes right? Because I'm there as a sounding board. And then like that last minute, 30 seconds, I just indirectly bring up what we're trying to fix. And usually by the time we hang up the phone, it's already fixed. So um, Todd, you've worked with uh, uh, different companies and seen different people manage safety. Is there a certain thing that some organization you've worked with or, or witnessed did that really really took their whole safety culture to another level. Can you think of a specific thing that might have really boosted the entire safety culture in an organization? I would say, just like anywhere, it, it kind of goes back to when you get into safety, it's going to go as far as, as leadership wants it to go. But I would always just say, and it's not even, it's not even one thing that I've seen, but it's when you get to that point in your in your maturation in your in your journey that it's perceived positively as an opportunity by all levels of the organization and you have buy-in you get to the point where hey this is just the right and the left hand working together and that's kind of how it's been in this company because we have a trade there's this book it's called it, I've, I've touched on the ACBs, but they call it the journey of cultureship. It was written by Jason Bingham. He's one of our vice presidents, but he talks about how you have this amazing and wonderful culture that you can step into, 
but really it's the culture and the people and then the leader is second or third there right it's called he calls it he he has this coin phrase culture ship and i've never heard that before but when i read that that blew me away because it, it is about the people and the right things already there in place and the wonderful people you're going to work around and there's so much potential you just have to be a steward of that and lead it and steer it in the right way so todd can you tell me about a past failure of yours and how it ended up turning into a success over the long run yeah i would just say that when i first started in my role i didn't know what i didn't know and my boss said which he had a lot of confidence in me but he said hey i hired you for a reason i just want you to to figure out figure it out pretty much because you're the expert on this i'm not and so i try i came out i had this 120 day plan gantt charts right in my kind of behind the scenes i'm i'm really evaluating things but the problem is it's it's like you say you're sometimes you get stuck putting a lot of effort into something that's not yielding a lot of results because you've got to figure out where pe- the people are at in their journey and get you have to get down on their level it's not a bad get down on their level right that's not negative but you have to understand where they're at in their business because they're being pulled in a lot of different directions and a lot of them until they know what's really required or asked of them they don't know what they don't know and so i can remember sometimes i would when i was younger i would just try to and i thought i was doing them a favor because i would do whatever for them but the problem is when you do that is it is it probably acceptable to do it for them once yeah but are you try is it is it teach one learn one show one and are you are you multiplying through those efforts or not because if you're not then you're just going to be stuck in that constant revolving door and then you're not going to really lead that right actions and change the right behaviors and and get yield any type of fruit as a result it's just going to be it's going to be stuck in neutral that is so true that you know we start a lot of times with teaching people safety in the classroom and it's never like that out in the real world and then you know like just like you said the the see one do one teach one we we do need to show them sometimes in the field what this really looks like because it's never like the classroom but then they they will become reliant on you to solve all their problems for them if you keep doing it right eventually we've got to teach them how to solve their own problems well, yeah, and it was just, I can remember at first we had, it was like, hey, we're in trouble with the customer and we want you to come talk to them and help them clean it up. And I went there and, and helped us get back in the door and then you know, we make some more mistakes. It wasn't anything bad, but we just did we weren't following what they were asking us to do. And after a while, I just, I just finally sat out and said, I started to reevaluate and say, "Hey, I'm not going to keep doing this for them. I'm going to right help them." And I'm I'm finally just one day because they we we were in a stand down 
and we they didn't even take it serious with the customer they they were we were supposed to have a plan of action prepared and they were watching youtube videos and goofing off and i finally just said look when you want to get serious and you want to you want to fix this problem come find me otherwise don't waste my time Okay, so Todd, you've already mentioned it several times, and I know you're a big fan of of human performance and and understanding human error. But where do you see us going next? Where are we headed after human performance? I would say it's going to be more leadership driven. And we were kind of talking about it last week when we were just shooting the bull a little bit, but it. You've got some right that are that are in their comfort zone with the training and OSHA regulations and and they're going to be more in the analyst mindset. And then you've got others right that are very driven, very passionate, and love the the, the, the component of people and systems and, and trying to intertwine that with your business model. And even just working with leaders and influencing and winning hearts and minds. And I feel, at least from a fulfillment standpoint and wanting to make your mark or, your, or leave a lasting impact on, on the business that you walk into, the leadership component and, and just whatever level the organization you're working with and that servant leadership mindset that's the cutting edge. That's the playbook, in my opinion, of where it's going when you when you look back and, and you go turn around and spend five or 10 years is where are you going as a leader to develop in this profession? Because I think we even talked about it in one of the courses I took with you guys is it seems like a long time ago, it was just like, oh, go, go do the, I don't know, respiratory protection for development and just thinking about now what's real development, the sky is the limit even. It could be like we talked about, it can be listening to podcasts, it can be le- reading leadership books, going through leadership development training, executive coaching, mentorships, like you're, you're a peer mentor or you're a, you're a superior mentor to somebody, right? And, or you even got people that mentor you and grow you. What's a leadership concept that you're just now getting into, but you want to eventually master? So right now I'm working on The Confidence Creator by Heather Monahan. And it's about when somebody, like say you bump into somebody at the gym or something and out of habit, you say, I'm sorry, or you, you're getting coaching at work and, and you say, I'm sorry, you don't sometimes we, we're all guilty of it because we learned right we were probably brought up with good habit to say hey i'm sorry i messed up or whatever but she brings up the point that some of us in our lives we've had negative or bad experiences and so that's allowed us in our own way we we don't do it on intentionally but we begin to diminish ourselves and even the way we view ourselves from a confidence standpoint. So it's almost like saying the word try, maybe scrap the word try and say, right, excuse me. Or when you're getting coaching, you say, wow, thank you for that guidance. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but you're not, that way you're not just putting yourself down 
when you don't even realize it. So, Todd, is there a book you're reading or a podcast you're listening to that you think I should read? I've been reading, I think I was telling you, I've been reading the, I've been reading a couple biographies about coaches right now because I like to read about what kind of adversity or struggles they may have faced in their personal life or their careers. And one that I'm reading right now, it's called The Making of a Coach, and it's about Lincoln Riley and the, the different struggles that he overcame or setbacks he had in his career. And then it really kind of talks about why he is the way that he is when it comes to how he telegraphs things and how he has a photographic memory. But then when it comes to people and how he can relate to people, that's, that's pretty neat too, just about how you can, you can be smart and you can do both and you can be a people person because there's not a lot of people that right are, are super smart and at the same time can have that that how would you say it? it's that dynamic leader capability there's a few of those that's a perfect that, that's a perfect answer that you know what i'm i'm working on improving my coaching skills right now and and developing a new coaching course. So a coaching book is the perfect thing for me. What is your, fa- who's your favorite leadership author? And uh, could you tell me why they're, they're your favorite leadership author? Gosh, that is such a tough question because there's so many good ones. If, if I told you today, it could be different, right? It really could be. Right. Oh, it does change over time, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm just going all time. I'd say Stephen Covey. Just from a, like a habit standpoint and, and being intentional, because those those principles are timeless. But you talk about just from a from a standpoint of probably getting me excited, it's John Maxwell. And even just on any given topic. And the the thing I like about him is because I'm a believer, right? In Jesus Christ and everything and and what he did and how he changed my life. And I like how he can kind of throw that in there too. And I feel like, Hey, I can, I can get multiple purposes out of that too. And it's very personable and it's very personal when I read his stuff because I don't I don't really broadcast it like I used to because when I was younger, I think I talked about it a lot, but I didn't really live it out. And as the older that I've gotten, I I'm not I'll speak about it, but I'm not gonna like put on a show for everybody because I'm gonna show people through my actions. And so that's one that, that will touch my heart too when I read him. That's right. Yeah. You will know them by their acts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And just, we have an OPEX leader. We were doing this bridging connections and he talked about servant leadership. And he said that it's our choice. When we had bridging connections, it was about all the different injustices going on in our society. And, you know, he, he, he brings a different background and he was, he was sharing with the group that it's up to us on how we want to receive something from someone as a leader. But he said that 
one thing that changed his heart is when there was a pastor on stage that told everybody to come up and he washed their feet. And he said that that's how you receive the ser the heart of the servant is washing somebody else's feet. Well, Todd, it was a pleasure talking to you today, as it always is. I really thank you for all your insight and coming on here today. Um, I wish you the best of luck, but I know we're going to stay in touch. Absolutely. And man, I wish everyone and yourself and ProSafe a wonderful rest of the year. And I'm excited about all the different offerings you guys are doing and what a nice investment just jumping on for four hours and having those discussions and break, I kind of call them breakout sessions, but they're so powerful and impacting on me just taking that four, four hours or three and a half hours for myself. And, and I'm, I'm feeding off of that for a long time. And just the, the wonderful benefit it is even in this COVID environment. That's awesome, Todd. Thank you so much. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.